But I can show them to you. I can share them with you. You can feel free to check them. That's not the point of not mentioning all of them. But they are preaching, and we might even say practicing, baptism in water for the remission of sins. If Jesus tells them to go and baptize folks, he doesn't have to say with Moses' or John's or with the Holy Spirit. They understand, and they take those marching orders, and they're preaching baptism in water for the remission of sins. Not to join the church. That's not why you're baptized, to join the church, but to be saved from their sins. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, it had a purpose. Again, it's a deeper discussion, but it had a purpose in the first century, but not today. And as well-meaning people, and understand, I believe that. I I believe that with all my heart, that they are sometimes well-meaning people. They are. They're they're regurgitating what they've always heard, and they're well-meaning in their intent. My father-in-law often calls them ignorant. Not to be mean. We often sometimes use that as a derogatory term, right? You're ignorant. It just means they don't know. They're well-meaning when they say it, but when they talk about Holy Spirit baptism, they're emphasizing that as something we should do today and maybe even what saves us. But it is baptism in water that saves us. It is the one baptism of Ephesians chapter 4. Number two this morning, Some people would say, well, baptism is a work. You don't need to be baptized. It's not necessary for salvation. You can if you want to, but it's not necessary because baptism is a work and man cannot be saved by works. I'm going to ask you to turn with me to a couple of passages in the New Testament. First of all, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Verse 8 begins, for by grace... We're not arguing. We're not not trying to to contradict what Scripture says. We're not asking you to tear out pages of your Bible because we're afraid of what it says. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Statement. Man cannot be saved by works. That is true. That's exactly what Paul writes to Christians in this passage. We are saved by grace, not by works. But if we want to read the whole New Testament and we emphasize that, we also have to read James chapter 2 and verse number 17. We're not trying to cause confusion. I don't believe the Bible contradicts itself. I'm not afraid of Ephesians 2 any more than I'm afraid of James chapter 2. But Paul, or excuse me, James would write there, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So statement, man must have works in order to have a living faith. Not a dead faith. Again, we'd agree Dead faith is not good. If we want a living faith, James says, we have to have works. Which begs the question for many people, what gives? Which is it? Why is it that we say we're saved by grace and not by works, but that we also have to have works? Well, first of all, it's not a contradiction. And a key word that you may have heard preachers say before, and I try to catch myself, I do, and you're always welcome to correct me or, or, or encourage me to do, do better, but I, I try to catch myself sometimes and not just blurt out phrases that I've always heard or phrases that pre- preachers always use because I believe that everyone understands what we're talking about, right? If I say certain things, they say, oh, yeah, everybody. That's why we're covering the Old Testament sometimes on Sunday morning because I might say David, and there very well may be somebody, 
who didn't go to Sunday school that says, David, David who? They don't know. So I try to catch myself sometimes and, and understand that sometimes preachers and teachers and even Christians use phrases and they mean well, but they don't always help someone understand. And one word that's often used in this particular discussion is meritorious. That's that word here that has a part to play in this discussion. We say that what Paul means when he says in Ephesians chapter 2 that a person is not, way too far, excuse me, that a person is not saved by works, what he means is they're not saved by meritorious works. Right? And some people go, I don't even know how to spell it, much less what it means, so why are we talking about it? Excuse me. But meritorious works, what is that? Well, we might define that by saying actions that are serving to earn a reward. Actions that are done serving to earn a reward. We get that idea that someone would do something and say, okay, I've done my part, now you owe me something. You owe me my reward. So here's what we say. We say, well, a person can't buy their way into being saved, right? Paying $1,000 or $100,000 is not enough. That is an action that would serve as a reward. We might say that would be what somebody might try to call a meritorious work. Here's my money, and now my reward is that I am saved. And meritorious works do not save us. Or a person would say that we would say a person can't buy enough hot meals or they can't give away enough pair of socks to help the homeless in order to be saved. Those are both good things. We should do those things to help people who are in need, but there is not a number. A hundred thousand pairs of socks will not get you to heaven as we're thinking about this kind of discussion. There is not a total number of things we can do and say, there, there, I've done my part, I've reached the number, and I've done, done enough to earn my reward. That would be trying to be saved by meritorious works. Or take the old law. That's what Paul is commonly re referencing in these passages, the law of Moses or the Old Testament. A person could not say, here God, I've kept 300 laws perfectly. I've reached the number. I've done enough works. Of course, that probably wasn't even possible to keep all 300, and there were more than that, 300 laws perfectly. But I've done these. Here's my actions. Give me my reward. I've earned it. That's what we talk about when we say meritorious works. And meritorious works cannot save man. But works of obedience can. Not meritorious works, but works of obedience. The Hebrew writer would say in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, that Jesus learned obedience. And he became the author, the, the creator, I guess, if you will, the author of salvation to all who, what? To all who obey him. So we have to be obedient. Obedient. We can do works of obedience. Let me ask you to turn to one last passage, and that's in John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Jesus has been teaching here in John chapter 6, and the people ask him in verse 28, what shall we do? Notice that we may work the works of God. They're asking about works. What should we do that we can work the works of God? And notice what Jesus says in verse number 29. This is the work of God that you believe. 
that you believe in him whom he sent. Of course, he's referencing himself. In him, God, and in, in him, me, that whom God sent. Excuse me, what he's trying to say there, that you believe. So if a person is saying, well, baptism is a work and man can't be saved by works, Jesus here seems to be saying that believing is a work. And so I, I agree man can't be saved by works because James says that. But if we're going to say that plain and simple and as a catch-all for everything, we've got a problem with what Jesus says here. In fact, isn't it funny? Baptism is less of a work than faith or believing or even of repentance, right? What does faith or believing entail? Well, it requires hearing, and it requires learning and reasoning and deciding. That seems like a lot more than baptism. What about repentance? Repentance requires changing your mind and changing your actions. That seems like a lot more. Changing my whole life, that seems like a lot more than baptism. In fact, baptism is less of a work than faith or believing or even repentance. Think about it this way. Just because it is a gift does not exclude human response. If you're still there in John chapter 6, notice in verse 27 that Jesus mentions a gift. I would circled it at one time in my Bible a while back, that the Son of Man will give them something. And of course, we already read Paul's words from Ephesians chapter 2 that it is the gift of God. Right? That's what salvation is. It is the gift of God. But question, have you ever given someone something? I'm, I'm not talking about spiritual. Have you ever given someone something that they didn't want or that they didn't accept? Said, here's a gift. And they said, no, I'm good. I I'll pass. I don't really need that right now. You can just keep it. A person can give a gift and the other person can reject it. I mean, it doesn't happen very often. We teach our children, you would never do that, right? Someone gives you a gift, you take it. But it's possible. It's possible that someone says, here's a gift, and somebody says, I don't want it. God has given a gift. That gift is his son. That gift is salvation in connection with his son and his death, burial, and resurrection. And we can reject that gift. Just because it is a gift doesn't exclude human response. We have to respond either by works of obedience or by rejecting Jesus. We must respond by works. We must do works, works of obedience, obeying him, not earning our reward, not doing enough things in order to then receive this reward. But yes, we must work works, works of obedience to him. All right, number three, finally this morning, sinners are saved by faith alone or faith only. Faith alone or faith only. You'll hear it said both ways. Here's the key thing you need to recognize here. We should always, we should always be careful when using only or alone in regards to salvation. There are times that we might say something and maybe the, the spectrum is broad enough that this is the only way. Jesus says, I am the way. I think that that means we can't get there by Buddha or by some other God. In our young adult and college class, we've been discussing the plagues and the Egyptian gods. I don't think you can get to heaven through those Egyptian gods. Jesus is the only way. It's not wrong to say 
but we need to be careful as we say some, some of these things are only. Let's notice four or five here together. First of all, salvation is by grace. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. Paul would write to Titus, the young man, for the grace of God that brings salvation. God's grace brings salvation. And that salvation has appeared to all men. Yes, salvation is by grace. But it's not by grace alone. That should say grace, excuse me there. But not by grace alone. Keep reading if you turn to Titus chapter 2 and verse 12. That what does grace do? We're saved by grace, but grace teaches us to also deny ungodliness and worldly lust to live soberly and righteously and godly. Sounds like works, not meritorious works, that we can do enough of those things, but works of obedience. That, yes, grace saves us, but not grace alone. We are to continue to live soberly, righteously, and godly. So grace, we're saved by grace, but not grace alone. Number two, we might notice that we're saved by faith. You know John three sixteen. God sent his only son that whoever believes... Whoever believes, whoever has faith in him should have everlasting life. Do you want everlasting life? Then you need to have faith. You need to believe. Salvation is by faith. But of course, it's not by faith alone. Right? One of the strongest examples is James chapter 2 in verse 19. We already mentioned verse 17 a little bit ago. But in verse 19, James says, you believe that there is a God? It's a question. Do you believe that there is a God? Great. I mean, wonderful. That's awesome. Good for you. You believe that there is a God. Even the demons believe and tremble. Do you want to be grouped together with the demons? Because if you believe and you believe alone, yeah, you can be grouped with them. Salvation is by faith. You must believe. But also, it must be more than belief. So it's not by belief or faith alone. Notice again, number three, repentance. Salvation is by repentance. Peter is speaking in Acts chapter 11 and verse 18, and he comments that God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance unto life. More than likely, all of us in this room here this morning are Gentiles, right? We are Gentiles. We have repentance unto life. Do you want life? Then you have to repent. Salvation is by repentance, but not by repentance alone. John chapter 8 and verse number 24, Jesus says, If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So Jesus is saying that you, do have, that you have to believe. We've already mentioned that. But he also says here that Jesus says here that you have to repent. Salvation comes by repentance. But you also have to believe. So it's not repentance alone. What about confession? Salvation is by confession. Do you remember in Romans 10, 9 and 10 that Paul says plainly that if you confess with your mouth, by the way, we should confess with our life. That's true. We confess Jesus by our actions. But he says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus, the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. Seems cut and dry to me. I've got to confess in order to be saved. With the mouth, confession is made into salvation, he says later in that passage. But, and I know you already know where we're going here, right? It's not by confession alone. That same passage says one must believe. There in that section of Romans chapter 10. So it's not confession alone. 
Although Paul says, you must confess the Lord Jesus, and if you do that, you will be saved. And finally, under this point, what about baptism? Salvation is by baptism. 1 Peter chapter 3, as Peter would be writing there, he says, there is also now an antitype which now saves us. He could have left it at that, right? He could have been done. If I told you, hey, there is this great, place in Florida and you've got to visit you've got to go and there is this city in Florida and I left it at that you'd say okay a little bit more information right where are you talking about can you give me the name I might can find it but I need to know the city you may be left scratching your head wondering what am I to do Peter doesn't leave us he says there is something that saves us and that is baptism we don't have to be left guessing we don't have to look and say well Paul said confession, and and Peter said this. No, he says it is baptism that saves us. But you know it. It's not by baptism alone. In fact, in Acts chapter 16 and verse number 30, the jailer at Philippi, we call him the Philippian jailer, says, what must I do to be saved? He asked that question that maybe you have asked in your life. What must I do to be saved? And Paul tells him to believe. And he can be saved. Now I would suggest if we sat down and looked at that passage. Paul's not saying because he would be contradicting himself in other places. But he's not saying that you just have to believe and say in your mind. I believe in Jesus and that's it. So baptism saves us. But it's not baptism alone. Because we must believe. Can I insert here that as you look at this list that we've just gone through. That this is why we talk about the plan of salvation. Or sometimes another phrase that we might use that might be confusing to some people is the steps of salvation. Because all we're doing is simply acknowledging that none of this is alone. None of it is by blank alone. None of it is by faith alone. None of it is by baptism alone. None of it is by confession alone. There are steps And maybe one thing that the steps sometimes do is they're a little misleading because someone says, oh, well, I'm not at the bottom step. And I believe. You talk about hearing and believing. I've already made it up some steps. That's okay. That's great if you've heard the word. That's great if you believe. But have you taken every step to get to the point that you have the forgiveness of your sins? Look at the slide that we usually put up. And look at why it looks the way that it does. Right? This was not by accident. I didn't try to mix things up or, or do things. And again, somebody might say, well, I've already believed. And maybe I've already even confessed, in a sense, Jesus as Lord. But this is God's simple plan of salvation. And we best be careful that we ever declare any of it alone or only. Because as we've just noticed very quickly, very quickly, that There are uh, several places where it is said this must be done in order to be saved. I'd like to make a note here before we conclude that and give you the invitation to be back at 1.30 for our afternoon study together if you can because there are many other objections that people make that we don't have time to get into this morning. But several of those objections sometimes come from Mark chapter 16. In particular, verses 15 and 16 probably as you may know them well. You remember that Jesus says there, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, 
but he who does not believe shall be condemned. One of the arguments that's sometimes made about Mark chapter 16 is that it does not belong in the Bible. You may say, well, what does that mean? And I say, well, you've got to come back, all right, to get the answer to that. Sorry. We're going to talk about that this afternoon because some people do say that's not, that doesn't belong there. And you say, well, it's in my Bible. Why would somebody say it doesn't belong there? We're going to try to get into that this afternoon and examine it in our lesson. But as we conclude this lesson, there is one baptism. And that baptism is immersion in water where we come in contact with the blood of Christ. Again, it's not some magical thing. Jerry cleaned the water, he empties it, he washes it out, he puts fresh water into it. Not because it's magical from one source or because the blood of Christ is actually in that water, but through this way of showing our obedience, our works of obedience, we submit to baptism. Immersion in water just as Jesus died and was buried and rose again. Baptism for the remission of sins. When we submit to God in baptism, we work a work. We work a work of obedience, not a work of meritorious works, as we've said. It's, we realize that it's something we can't earn, but we also realize that the Bible says we have to be obedient. Maybe you're here this morning and you believe. You say, I believe for a long time now. We implore you, don't stop there. Don't just believe because you're in a category, but you're in a category with the demons. Because they believe. It doesn't sound like a place that I want to be. And that doesn't save you simply believing any more than it saves the demons. We usually emphasize here at the conclusion of the lesson, future discussion. Because coming to the front now, one of our elders will be coming to the front in a moment as we sing the song, but, but coming to the front now, coming to the front in front of this kind of crowd terrifies you. I got it. I understand. Many people it does. So we emphasize future discussion because the point is, do not leave with questions. Do not leave with concern or worry. You can come to the front in just a moment and make your request known, or you can see someone afterwards, but do not leave with that worry on your heart or mind. Do not leave wondering about what else the Bible may have to say about salvation. We would sit down with you as soon as possible because baptism is necessary for salvation. And we want to be obedient to God's simple plan. We're thankful that in a sense God issued a second plan. That second plan is that once you're baptized in water for the remission of sins, you don't have to be baptized time and time again. Right? We'd be really busy on Sunday and Wednesdays if we had to baptize all of us, myself included, every time we messed up. God says that you can repent of your sins and pray to him for forgiveness and he is willing to forgive you once you become a child of God. We sometimes call it God's second law of pardon. You don't have to be baptized over and over again. And also, it doesn't mean that you're dead the first time you mess up. You can come back to him and confess your sins. Again, in a sense, you can come to the front here and make it known before this crowd so we can pray with you and for you. But do not leave with your life not right with God. If you need to be baptized this morning, we would love to assist you. If you need to come back to him, we'd love to assist you as we stand together and as we sing.